Welcome back, Shane. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Anton. How's it going? <laughs> Man, it is. Uh, so let's just let's fucking go now. Uh, yeah, dude, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's going well. It's um, yeah, been been a pretty crazy last week, honestly, dude. It's uh, yeah. pr- pretty much talking to uh, to the two people uh, that you you kind of got me in touch with. It was a uh, interesting moment to say the least, because oh, yeah. one of the one of them I got along super well with, and the other, our energies were almost like oil and water. Like they were really? very, very different. And um, it was very, uh, it was very interesting for me just to like, kind of reflect on that because I think, you know, in my case, and we kind of talked about this like after uh, just kind of texting, but I think with me, I, I can sometimes have a tendency of if someone has accomplished a lot in the world and if someone is like very spiritually evolved or they, you know, they teach these courses and they do like, they've done all these things. Um, sometimes I can kind of put them subconsciously on a pedestal and I can mm-hmm. be like, okay, like they are the way they live life is the correct way of living life. And if for whatever reason we don't resonate perfectly in synchronicity, it's something wrong with me. Like I am kind mm-hmm. of as a human being, there must be something wrong with me because, well, there can't be anything wrong, wrong with them. them or even in like a better way. It's not like wrong with them. Just like if we don't resonate, it means that I'm the one who's like not spiritually evolved or I'm not psychologically evolved. And it was like this last week was really um, it was a wake up call for me to realize, like, OK, I can't keep putting people on pedestals. And I can't keep believing that that belief because now like when i think about you know uh you know dr craig wright who you had on your podcast and like numerology and astrology and human design like all these different systems like even myers-briggs a psychological Mm -hmm. test it's like we've always known about archetypes we've always known that there's the hero there's the the investigator there's like all these different things and it's like when we're in these systems, we are aware that, okay, there's no right way to be. Some people are the hero archetype. Other people are the investigator. They might not get along. They, they have very different kind of missions in life. But it's like, I feel like when we go out into the world, when we interact with people, when we have people on our podcast, when we have um, meetings with cor- in corporate headquarters, as we go out and we interact with human beings in the world, we quickly kind of get into this idea of, if someone doesn't like me, there's a problem with me. And we forget that idea of like, no, people are just their own archetypes. They resonate like, And I feel like also, you know, in this like kind of spiritual world, we're always caught up in frequencies. Like, oh, I'm a high vibe person. I have a high vibration. <laughs> I'm like, I'm an old fucking soul. Like, you know what I mean? People's <laughs> yeah. spirit, stuff like that. And you're like, oh, okay. If I interact with an old soul and I'm an old soul, we have to get along. But it's like, even within all of those systems, I feel like we, sometimes I feel like we don't, we don't just realize that like, we don't have to get along with everyone. And just because someone has their truth doesn't mean it's a universal truth. You know what I mean, Shane? Yeah, no, you're right. And it's interesting that you, you bring that up because particularly I think in the world today, right? Like there's so many people who are clearly espousing different belief systems and ideologies and things like that, whether it's about themselves or others or, 
this or that and who's right and who's wrong and it's a complicated question but you know in terms of like our relating with one another it's a very good point because it's very easy to have a sort of mismatch with someone and kind of blame yourself for it because I mean the way I look at it is it's like well we have these systems of trying to identify where the problems are in the world right and how we relate to them and ideally it's so that we can solve them and move past it and grow um, but it doesn't always work super well in our favor because oftentimes if you can't see an obvious problem then you're like okay well i must be the problem then and you not to bring it too down but like this is what happens with kids right when they get you know into like uh, when they have like abusive parents or things like that is automatically blame themselves like I'm being punished because I'm bad right and that sort of way of thinking can really get hard grained even without the abuse like just in terms of how you sort of see yourself in relation to the world right um, and it's, so yeah it's interesting to sort of talk to you in this position where you're like okay well I've had this experience where I didn't really gel with someone but now I have enough insight to know that um, what I was doing wasn't a particularly healthy coping strategy in general and you know that you're putting people on a pedestal um, and yet I bet it still feels like it's still true at least to a certain degree right so you can know that you're doing this wacky thing and still feel it to be true um, and it's really hard to change beliefs like that you know it takes a lot of practice and a lot of effort yeah dude I, I i like i talk to my mom about this sometimes because this happens all the time again in like these spiritual camps or even these like if you're a psychologist right like you walk around like you can be like oh you know we're all one like we're all zen like i love everybody but it's like then why do you flip off the guy in traffic like yeah when you when you actually look at all of our behaviors how we at, interact with people every day. It's like everyone who says like, you know, like I love Ram Dass is one of my favorite dudes right now. I've been researching him a lot lately, mm. um, but I love that he calls himself on it. Like he's like, oh, I, I know all this stuff, but I still get, you know, manipulative. I still get angry, I get passive aggressive. And I'm like, thank you, man. Like, thank you for like, cause so many people, when they get to that level, um, they don't, call themselves out anymore as much they kind of are like oh yeah i'm the guru now i'm i'm the one who has everything yeah. in control but I, I just love that yeah how man like yeah anytime, himself yeah it's like anytime you get pissed off or you get defensive it's like you, you in that moment you don't recognize we're all one because if you really recognize we're all one in every moment nothing could piss you off because yeah. you know that's just another person in another life and another avatar, another archetype who is doing something in the world that you can't accomplish with your archetype. Like Shane and Anton are, we're both in podcasting, but I think we're going to touch the world in different ways. Like mm -hmm. I have my way of communicating, you have your way of communicating, you have the people you resonate with and we overlap on that in some way, but there's still kind of differences. And I definitely feel like, yeah, we all kind of, um, need to give each other that benefit of the doubt and and just because like you said we know something cognitively doesn't mean we live as if it's true and the last thing i'll say is i love mm -hmm. what you said about pa parenting because i had like a eureka moment in me when you said that because because <laughs> i'm like that is probably one of the main issues is that like we do grow up like being told this is right this is wrong when you do something that 
as the parents, they deem wrong, they punish you. So you have a literally, you have like an internal nervous system, like a Pavlov's dogs. Like, you know, they, they, they have some food, they get electrocuted. It's like, that's what we're like as children. It's like, we, we ask too many questions. That was my thing. I was always the why kid. I ask a million questions about everything. I, I just, <laughs> I disproved Santa Claus when I was five years old, my mom said, because I asked too many questions and she's like, I'd, I'd ask all these questions about the reindeer and like, how do, how does Santa, if, if Santa Claus does this, why can't he do that? And she just finally was like, Santa Claus doesn't exist. <laughs> and I was like, all right, enough. Enough yeah, questions. Like, Santa's not real. Mate. Go go to your room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So it's just funny that you you mentioned that thing about the the parenting because yeah, I think that is where a lot of this like if we don't get along with somebody, we beat ourselves up because we had two parents who had their archetypes who weren't aware of that. They did they you know, because we all think we're right. Like, you know what I mean? Like if we get in an argument, you're probably going to be like, yeah, I'm probably right. And then I'm going to be like, I'm probably right. Shane might have a point, but like, yeah, I, I, I've lived my life, my entire life. I'm definitely right. And I do feel like a lot of that is from that parenting thing. Like you said, you know? Yeah. But you also kind of have to be right to yourself, right? Because if you couldn't find your opinion about something it would be so hard to navigate in the world about what you believe to be true now you might be open enough to question your beliefs and change them but to walk around with total uncertainty it's not really cool for a human to do that i mean i'm maybe some people do but i think it it would you know bring a lot of sort of suffering um because you just it's everything's so uncertain and we're sort of wired to try and find patterns and then evolve and learn from those and grow and sort of encounter new situations that challenge our old belief systems and it's not very pleasant but that's the way life is and then you know you have to incorporate those challenges to overcome them and adapt your belief system sort of along the way right to to change to like grow to this new information um but you know it's interesting the point about parenting because there doesn't seem to be a way around it right in terms of as humans as animals right um you come into the world with perhaps some instincts and things like that but rarely you look to your caregivers to teach you about how to survive the world right if you look at it from a purely like evolutionary perspective and they're going to teach you what they know about how they survived right and perhaps how they thrived as well and what they believe to be right and even if they're not actively trying to do so children are very good you know mimickers as as are young of all kinds they learn by watching right and that's why you know you are so often a reflection of your parents or actually what happens sometimes too is that you see something a lot of what you don't want right and then you're like i'm not doing that right but then i mean you 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 know to try and sort of like force it onto your kids it becomes a different problem and it's also never ending there's no ideal parent right there's parents who have good days and bad days and teach some good things and some not so good things and you know, there, there really isn't uh, a way around it because, you know, we're quite limited creatures. Well, you know, you, you can't transmit all the knowledge of the universe to children because uh, they just want to, you know, run around and play and have fun and enjoy. They're not trying to evolve their consciousness uh, for most of their, you know, 
like young childhood and early adolescence they're just trying to be in the world and interact and relate to people and um, figure out who they are and what their role is in the world so it's a very interesting dynamic that that sort of comes up and it's not even necessarily related to you know abuse or anything like that it's just you learn from your parents because that's how it goes or from whoever sort of raised you and then you take that out into the world and you know you test out those uh, skills and if the world has changed which it is these days oftentimes old skills are no longer applicable anymore right old belief systems and you can kind of see that with all the sort of cultural revolutions that are happening basically everywhere right Man, yeah, man. you just said a lot of really interesting stuff. Like, there's like three three main points. Um, one of which is, like you said, about we need to interact with the world as if we are right about what we believe. To mm-hmm. say it simply, like, we, like again, you have to have an affirmative. Like, you have to believe that if you want to go left, you should go left. Like, it's you know, just even that. So that was one thing. Um, another thing we, you're talking about, like the human animal, right? Mm-hmm. And how like instinctually and how just like any other mammals, we mimic our, our parents, our caregivers, and we mimic their behaviors. And it, it just made me think of like the human animal, how we're like half animal, but then we're the only animal to my recollection that has the ability for like self-analysis and like mm-hmm. self-awareness and to critique our own thoughts and to simultaneously live as if everything we do instinctually or intuitively is the right thing to do, but also have a part of our consciousness open to knowing that we have to learn from other people and grow. And it's just a wild thing because like we're, yeah, like we're not these purely self-aware beings. Like we're not just these tabula rasa plank blank slates i can just be like oh i want to believe this fully we like you said we have these like mammal monkey impulses and like yeah we just observe the first seven years of our life and kind of that becomes who we are for the rest of our life for most people like you know what would they say the um like who's the uh, Roman Catholics? They said like, "Give me a boy till the age of the seven. I'll give you a man." Something along the lines of that. And it's just like, it is a really wild thing that we are these like two things within one. That's like what a human being is. We're an animal, and we're also this something completely different than an animal. Like so different that we can completely change our nature in some way. Like you know, we haven't fully yet. But just like, you know, uploading our consciousness to computers and like that, like that whole idea is like, like <laughs> we're, we're half monkeys and we're half this thing that wants to live forever, defy everything and understand the, the laws of the universe. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's wild. Yeah, dude. Being a human is weird. Uh, there's no way around it. And the more I sort of think about it, the more I think of us as animals and less of different from monkeys you know i saw a thing the other day that said like we're really just monkeys with money and power um and the the intelligence aspect of it's really interesting right because the sort of like self-awareness it comes with a great deal of uh advantages and disadvantages 
right? And you can clearly see this with like, you know, you just look around and you think that most animals don't live in states of anxiety or depression or existential dread. They don't even fluctuate through those moods most of the time. You know, they kind of exist in this very peaceful way, just going about their thing. I mean, they have challenges and difficulties, obviously, right? They got to find food, they got to survive, they got to protect themselves and they're young and, um, you know, contend with the, the world. And oftentimes it doesn't end well uh, for them. It ends in, you know, being eaten or starving or freezing or boiling or all kinds of things. But they're, they don't like actively suffer and worry like we do. Um, and that's because we kind of like can sit and focus and ruminate on things because of this sort of extra cognitive ability that we've developed, uh, which allows us for self-reflection, but it also allows us to be incredibly judgmental towards ourselves, right? Because we have this capacity to sit and think about all the things that we've done wrong. Uh, instead of, and you know, I suppose in an ideal context, you would be able to say, okay, these are the things I did wrong. This is what I learned from them. Cool beans. Let's move forwards now. Right. But it doesn't really work that way, at least not for anyone I've met because it's, it's never so simple. And I think a lot of that has to do with like the emotional involvement of those things and how, you know, we're not good emotional regulators, most of us. Um, and it's because it's a skill that's not really taught and it's because most people don't know it and that's okay. It's part of the evolutionary process. You know, we're sort of getting there, but it's interesting, you know, to watch like animals in the wild where on one day they'll just be chilling. You know, you have a zebra eating grass, chilling with his family or its crew or whatever, however zebras chill. And then, you know, it'll like almost be killed by a lion. Right. And then, 10 seconds later, it'll just be eating more grass. It's not worried about it. It doesn't have PTSD, you know, it doesn't have depression or anxiety or anything that comes of it. I mean, those are human problems that we face and many of us face it. And I'm not saying they're not real problems. Obviously they are. They are terrible and detrimental and oftentimes end in death one way or another. But it's just, it's that extra cognitive ability that seems to facilitate most of this stuff. Right. Don't you think so? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good question. That's why it's like, like people think you have to like immediately when you get a question, like answer it. Yeah. Just, and it's like, no, some things are deep and you gotta like, it's good quit, to think like, about em it. Empathically kind of think about it. But yeah, it's like I, when you were speaking, I was, I was almost thinking it's like, we're, to my recollection, the only species on earth that can create without instinct. And what I mean by that is like, I was going to say we're the only thing that can create, but that's not true because beavers create dams and they, they can alter their environment. But I don't know the inside of a beaver. I don't know if that is purely instinctual. Like they literally might be like moment to moment. It's like, okay, I have a, an urge to bite tree and then like urge to take tree over here and then urge to let go of tree. And then like, like, I don't know how that creative process works for a beaver creating a dam, but I do know that like human beings, we have this like, very creative force. Like 
a lot of, you know, spiritual people will say that that is maybe one of the aspects that makes human beings, human beings. Mm-hmm. So like we can create, we can take from the ether and manifest our thoughts and desires into the, into the world. And, and then like, if you have all of these human beings that want to manifest desires into the world, what happens when you put seven to eight billion of those human beings on one planet and then they all want to create the world they have in their minds mm-hmm. but they're all competing with the different worlds that all of us have in our minds like it's like every human being has a a desire in the world and you know part of our evolution is getting past the just because you have a desire doesn't maybe mean it's the it is the desire that the the world needs completely. You know, it, it's almost like um, like we go from this very individualized creation or identity where it's about me, and then I learn about myself. I create. I create in the world. I interact and I meet other people, and then through our interaction, you learn that you know we both have our kind of ideas, and then. I don't know. It's like maybe the human animal, like that's evolution is like just learning to kind of in some sense in a weird way, like compromise and maybe even almost like create like a hive mind. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, it's interesting because, you know, the separation between individual and collective conscious isn't entirely clear, right? Where what's, what's real now, you might be confused about what's best for you, or you might not know exactly what's best for you. You might think, you know, right but really they're just ideas that you have and you don't know all the implications of it like you 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 know dream to have i don't know all this money right but you don't you don't foresee all of the negative sides of that because there's a polarity to everything and then all of a sudden you have all this money you don't know what to do with it you don't know how to handle it you don't know how to handle people wanting everything from you you don't know how to navigate that whole system and then you know potentially other fears and anxieties come up like what happens if you lose all of it or if you make bad investments or if you you know run out or all of these things like that might come up you know that you don't foresee but you kind of just you hold on to that one image of like it would be cool to have all this money because then i don't have to worry about doing anything or working or anything like that and that is true but it's not the whole truth right um and that's why like, well, it's not why, but it's at least partly why they say like most people who win the lottery go broke in like five to 10 years or something like that, right? It's because the money itself is only one thing, right? A whole host of factors have to come into play for that to really enrich, you know, your whole experience. And so it's, but, but the point I was making was that like, really, you know, when you're sort of like dealing with any individual person, it's kind of like, the best version of you is also going to be best for everyone else, right? And they might not know that at the time, the other people, but that's what everyone wants for each other. We just can't do it for each other. You have to, you can only really do it for yourself, right? And so that creation is interesting because we do seem to want to move towards these like collective conscious experiences and, and, existences and yet we don't have alignment on what that is and so when we try to do that it usually ends quite badly 
um, <laughs> you know, communism and the like. That's always been yeah. a fun one. Um, but it is interesting to figure out, like, how do how do I fit in the world as myself and the best version of myself that's also great for everyone else, right? Yeah, yeah. I it, it's funny. I just had like a, a thought. Have you ever seen the show Manifest? No. I think you'd love that show. I'm watching it right now. It's um essentially the synopsis, and it actually goes right into your 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 idea. So there's this plane that uh is leaving from Jamaica, going back to, uh, to America, right. Going back to Los Angeles. And what happens is, uh, like one of the planes, they reach full capacity and they end up saying like, okay, if, uh, some of the people here want to go on the next plane, we'll pay you $400. Mm-hmm. So some people, they end up going on the next plane. Now what happens is in the second plane, when that touches down in Los Angeles, they're met by the FBI and the paramilitary right or just military and they realize that they've been gone for five years Hmm. so they thought they took a five-hour flight back but they're actually gone for five years and what happens and this is this is not really spoilers this all happens in the first episode but what happens is when they come back they realize that they've they have these like weird kind of powers everyone who's on a second flight that was gone for five years mm. they're getting they're getting what they call callings they're getting these messages and they don't know where they're from but they're all getting the same one they're all getting them and they think you know some atheists start to believe in god and some you know religious people think it's god speaking to them but the reason why i mentioned this is um over the next few episodes what happens is all of these people that usually had these individual consciousnesses that only would think about their lives, their family, their tomorrows, all of a sudden they are connected like a hive mind and -hmm. they're all getting kind of these same downloads and they don't know where they're getting them from, but they're getting these like downloads, these intuitions to do things in the world to, to save people. They're getting pieces of information, like go to this warehouse and they'll go to the warehouse and they'll be like kidnap children. And they were like, and so it's really interesting. And the reason why I mentioned this is it's like, I kind of see that personally as a metaphor for intuition, as a metaphor for listening to your higher self. And the only kind of, in some sense, way, and it's sorry, it's not the only way, but one way I think, because, you know, I'm quite a spiritual person. And I think that, you know, part of the human evolutionary pattern is something to do with consciousness and this like kind of deepening of the intuition, deepening of the heart um, and just the more connectedness. And you can feel that as you develop as a human being, you become more empathic to other human beings. You feel people's vibrations more. If you're you know quiet and silent, you can feel and intuit people and maybe kind of potentially where we're going in some sense is like, you know, again, like people like Ram Dass or any psychic or any, anyone who's really intuitive and has got in touch with their intuition, they will always say the same thing that they feel led and compelled to certain things by their intuition. You know, Mm -hmm. they'll look at a, a, um, a flyer for a vacation and they'll just like have this burning thing beyond logic. Like you have to go there and they don't know why. And so potentially, I don't know, but maybe that's kind of what was going to happen to us as a human species. If we all get emotionally regulated and we all kind of develop into who we are here to be. 
And I'm thinking maybe there is like a governing principle, almost like a mathematical equation. I, at the moment, don't know if it's like conscious, like if it's a God that's issuing orders because there is a grand plan, but it almost seems like a, a natural organizational principle at chaos theory that things like, you know, like resonances attract and mm-hmm. unlike resonances repel like that. It seems like mathematical. It just seems like <clears throat> an, a natural organizing principle. And I think uh, that possibly in some sense, maybe, maybe not, it might be where we are heading. What do you think about something like that? Yeah, I think it's an, that's just a coughing today. That's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting idea. Um, I think that, you know, what, what we tend to do is to, as a sort of, as humans, we tend to be so focused on our individual lives and experience, right? And that's just because that's just sort of natural to us at this point in time. It's not a criticism. It's just sort of how it is. And, you know, a lot of the time we view ourselves as isolated from the rest of existence, right? And even though some part of you might recognize that, you know, there is unity to all of existence, it certainly feels like there isn't most of the time. I mean, we feel ourselves to be separate, right? And you know, things in the world are separate from us and uh, we can do things and change things and, you know, interact and most of it's not in our control, but some of it is. And, um, but the point about that is like, well, it, it's more complicated than that because we're so interconnected with everyone else and with the whole world and with the universe in a much grander sense, because we don't exist without it, right? I mean, if you just look at how dependent we are on our environment, uh, we don't think we are, but really, you know, we live in a time where, I mean, not we live in a time, we exist the way we do because of our environment being the way it is. And we evolved to breathe the atmosphere. I mean, the air of the atmosphere that exists right now right? We need the food that's available to us that comes from the earth or from other animals or whatever it is, right? So you can't escape that. And, you know, from a social perspective, I mean, most people probably wouldn't survive very long by themselves uh, from a, you know, at least from like an emotional perspective. I mean, um, some people could, I suppose, but rarely, you know, back in the day, uh, one of the worst punishments were for you to be banished from your tribe or your crew or whatever it is. And it was basically a death sentence, right? Because even if you could survive the elements, the lack of social connectivity, um, most people go insane. And that's why today, you know, the worst punishment really that we can impeach, I mean, that we can do to each other is solitary confinement, right? In prisons. Um, That's seen as like the most severe of the punishments is to lock people away with no contact to anyone else. Um, and we're so dependent on the sun and just so many things, right? And, you know, we, we think of ourselves as whole beings that don't change very much, but really, you know, like our cells are constantly changing and, you know, interacting and we're different versions of the, of, I mean, we're different physical structures year after year. It, it, it all changes and it's all interacting with the environment. And, you know, we have millions of, uh, tiny little bacteria and things like that, that exist on us and in us. And, 
you know, in these sort of dynamic um, relationships to each other. And so we're so connected and yet we, we often feel so disconnected. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, that's not even like a social point of like feeling disconnected from each other. It's just, we, we don't see ourselves as part of this whole thing, but really, you know, just from a, if you take like a physics perspective, you can just look at the universe as a, as a, an entity and say, well, it, there's just one, right? It's a totality of things and all of the atoms or the constituents that make up everything in the universe are just flowing into each other and changing forms, right? And you, we see it mostly in, in nature and things like that, where, you know, you plant like a little acorn, um, and a, and, and a monstrous tree grows just seemingly out of nowhere, just using the earth and the sun and the rain and all that kind of stuff. And then something happens and it dies and then it becomes food for something else. Right. And it, it's just, it's, it's this like magical connectivity that we often just feel ourselves so disconnected from. Um, and I'm not really sure why that is, uh, it, but it, it's certainly a common experience. And I think, you know, COVID's <laughs> made that a lot worse for us. Um, but nevertheless, uh, you know, maybe it, it's a lesson to be learned that when you take away, you know, the good things in your life, you learn to appreciate them a lot more. Right. Um, I don't know. It, it's just, it's a, it's very strange being a human. <laughs> yeah. And by, by the way, if you saw me like on my phone, I was writing down some of the ideas you had. Oh, yeah. I wasn't being an, I wasn't being an asshole. I was like, I hope Shane has talked to me enough to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's just texting somebody in the middle of a podcast. No, no. But, uh, but I yeah, figured like, you were doing something important. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. And uh, yeah. Cause you, you said like, we're all, and I have, we're all uh, connected. I have like mm. kind of four ideas from that. Like, um, one thing they say is like, um, if you get a whole bunch of females on a, uh, like a, if you get them together for a long period of time, they're, um, I think it's their menstrual cycles will start to, uh, to sync up. Mm -hmm. So that alone is interesting. Like the, like, again, that, that's not, they're not, trying that trying to do that that is literally just part of a natural process that we without our knowing we adapt our biology mm -hmm. to reflect the people around us and so that right there kind of proves your point is that we literally change an aspect of our humanity our biology based on what's around us we're mm -hmm. yeah, a social species it's a very good and, point that yeah and then like um you see we're talking about bacteria which um i i wish we had a jamie I, this is what yeah. i'll say like <laughs> joe, joe rogan like this is what i always think like because i probably i might misspeak and then i wish i had someone who's just like typing in everything i said yeah. but i think i've heard it said that a human being, and let me know if, if you've heard something like this in, in your perspective, that a human being is, I think we're like more bacteria than anything else. It was, it was something like the human animal. If you actually like look at our cells and everything, like we're, we're a majority of what we're made up of is a alien entity outside of the human that has a symbiotic relationship with humans. And if you think about even like a human, what is a human? 
Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm talking to Shane and I think I know who you know, I'm like, you have a face, you have a body. Those are like, when I look through your eyes, I'm seeing Shane. Like that's the way that we just subconsciously interact with human beings. Like that whole thing that I'm looking at is Shane, but you are literally trillions and trillions of cells and your eyes are a collection of different cells making up the eyeball. And then in between your eye cells are nose cells and skin cells and hair <laughs> cells. And, and like, you're like, what is Shane? Yeah. You know, he is. And then he has, like I said, all this bacteria that symbiotically interacts with those different cells and, and they interact and they cohabitate. And, and then there's this weird thing called consciousness. And when I'm interacting with the trillions of cells, somehow all of those trillion cells can agree on a shared story, a shared consciousness, a shared state yeah. so that I can interact with a trillion different things and somehow have a unified conversation with a trillion different parts of something yeah. that when they come together, they create shame. Like just like that's mind boggling. You know what and, I mean? And even and and it, it's so crazy and and we have no idea what that consciousness really is from a scientific perspective i mean there's some theories about it and you know it, that it's uh, epiphenomenal or whatever it is but nevertheless we we don't have a good answer otherwise it would be known like widely known that this is what it is so i'm not saying they're wrong but you know maybe it's just not a full picture yet but it's also cool that like the whole human comes from a single cell and that every piece of information that's needed to create every part of you came from two strands of DNA or a double helix I don't know if it's one or two technically I think it's two but all of that is is in in this incredibly small thing that we can't even see with you know the naked eye and that just naturally by some principle evolves into an entire person and continues to do so, you know, un until it doesn't. And then there's death. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's weird, like how, how we interact with each other. And, you know, looking into people's eyes is a really strange, like, experience. Because you're actually, it's two emptinesses connecting. Because your eyes actually mostly take in light and information, right? Uh, some of it's reflected and that's why we can see eyeballs and things like that. And it's all like processed in the brain and whatever it is. But so there's, it is really weird to make eye contact with someone because nothing's really happening. I mean, there's just this like social almost understanding of connection when that happens. Um, I don't really know why. I've never thought about it that way. Do you have any I ideas? Yeah, I have a few thoughts. I don't know if, if I, I wish I could just sit here and answer your question about the universe. I wish I was that yeah. smart. <laughs> maybe one but, day. Uh, maybe. Yeah, Anton will be the next yeah. Ram Das. That's what I'll be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is weird because all of these spiritual people say that the eyes are the window to the soul. And based on what you just said, the eyes are like this like kind of vacant, like they just kind of take in light. But when you do look into like someone's eyes, it is like a transfer of energy because you can like calm someone's nervous system. You can, people 
are terrified of looking you in the eyes when they lie to you. Mm-hmm. People, if they're feeling down, like I'm like this, if I'm having a bad day and I'm beating myself up, I do not want to look anybody in the eyes because that somehow is too vulnerable. I would rather touch a human being on the arm and make physical contact. That is easier than looking into somebody's empty abyss of the eyes. Hmm. That is a weird thing. It's like we, it's like, yeah, we're looking into nothing, but our whole being it's like, that is like the most important thing. That is like the deepest kind of connection in some sense. It's yeah. like eye contact. And, and if you talk to me in this podcast and you are looking at my face on your computer, I don't feel like we are connecting the same way I do when I'm looking into your eyes. There's yeah. literally a different physiological and conscious awareness shift when I look into your eyes. I feel like in that moment you see me and that and even see you. That's really when when I'm saying you see me, I'm really saying you you feel me, you get me, you take on my energy, you mm-hmm. resonate with me. We're like two polarities that are merging through, like you said, a a response that is nothing more than kind of like photons. It's very weird. Um, but I think that you touched on the point about vulnerability, which I think is is certainly one of the essential components to it because it, I mean, eye contact is used for all kinds of things, right? It can even be used in the opposite to assert dominance, right? And that's a different situation as well. But I mean, I suppose it's also not just eye contact, right? It, there's more to it. it it's just the eye contact is kind of the main connecting point that everything else sort of fits into it, you know? Because if someone's kind of like coming at you with a weapon, eye contact's, you know, not really going to do much for you. I mean, you might, I guess what you do get to see is you get to in some way take in their energy, as you say. So if they're filled with rage, you can see that in people's eyes, right? And it would be interesting to see if you like just took a little shot of like just eyes, you know, and see how much emotion you could tell from that. Um, and you could probably tell quite a lot. And it, it also has to do with, I suppose, the muscles and, and the tissue around your eyes. And, you know, like when you smile, like your eyes tend to go smaller and the, the corners tilt up and, you know, anger is much more like wide eye to take in a lot more of the information and all kinds of things like that. And we just know that intuitively right we we don't know it know it but we feel the response and you can see this with babies and children right if you pull a funny face to a baby i mean it's either going to laugh or cry but uh, it's responding just by looking at you right uh, there's no necessary other interactions and so it makes sense that like when we're not feeling good we don't want to connect with other people because it feels too vulnerable um and it's very strange. I think this whole episode is about how weird it is to be a human. I mean, that's really, that's really the the pinnacle point of it. You know, everything's weird. I, I, I think you just, that's the title we're going to use for it for sure. Yeah. Like just how weird is it to be a human? Um, but then you, you had another really interesting point too. You were saying how with human beings, everything we become is all stored within a single cell. Mm-hmm. Um, the DNA, right? 
And then when you said that, I looked over to my computer and I thought, we're a really magnificent piece of hardware and architecture because we're the equivalent of you buying like a chip or actually a better example is like transformers, like you buying a chip that like over a week, like expands and opens and morphs into your computer. And it's yeah. like, like, is that like, do you remember, um, you're about the same age as me. Do you remember those, uh, those things that we used to buy as children where they would be like in a capsule or something, they'd be like a, a sponge or a foam thing. You put them in water and they like, they grow and evolve into like a pic, like a picture. An of animal. Like a t- yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that. Like we're kind of like that. And like, yeah, well, it's kind of like, I guess like 3d printing. It's like, we'll probably get to a point where rather than buying a computer, you buy like this, like tiny capsule. And then you like put the tiny capsule on a, <laughs> like a surface and it just starts to grow and evolve and morph. Or dude, imagine doing that with a house. Bro. Yeah. That would like, be cool. Like a, a folded thing and then like you literally like not water it but like you like press a button you chuck it like like a pokemon thing yeah yeah. and then like it just opens and like you watch it for like a week literally grow into a house like that's why that's what we are though that's what a human being (laughs) is we're like a pokeball that turns into like this like thing you know what i mean yeah it is what we are and we're amazing machines if that's even the right word because we're built to adapt to anything that happens just about in our environment right anything that happens your body will almost certainly adapt to it and we're remarkably sturdy and yet simultaneously very fragile i mean you know we can take massive beatings and withstand tremendous amounts of stress and pressure and yet a tiny little blade you know, leaks all the fluid out and that's the end of you. Uh, or a little, I mean, a bullet, but it's a little more intense. But, uh, you know, or I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And we're, we're almost perfect instruments for the environment that we live in. And, you know, it, it probably wouldn't be that way if we go somewhere else. It would have to adapt to a completely new way of being. That's why, like, I mean, dude, astronauts who go to space for extended periods of time have a rough time when they come back to earth that it's rough it it wrecks the body being in space because it's not designed for that we're designed to be here with this amount of gravity in this atmosphere with this amount of exposure to the sun and oxygen and each other and animals and things like that um but it's absolutely brilliant and what's even more brilliant is how we can heal ourselves right not always but very often you know when you get a small cut on your body you just know that it's going to heal. I mean, I have no idea how that happens. And even if I knew the technical details of it, that doesn't really explain it, right? An explanation in terms of feedback loops isn't really sufficient for me because it's all, it's all, I mean, maybe it is for some people, but it's all so, I mean, magical is really the right word, how, how it works, right? and how much we can actually influence our own existence through that kind of method. Yeah, it, 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 it is so weird, man. Because I was, I was thinking like back to like the inception of like DNA and, and the, yeah, like self-modifying cells. 
And I'm thinking like, well, my computer is made out of the elements of the earth, yet my computer doesn't have consciousness and it can't rebuild itself. And if I accidentally chip a corner of my PC, it doesn't just recreate itself, but like it's made of something from the earth and we're made of something from the earth and we're made of stardust. And like, yeah, human, like if you almost don't distinguish the difference between living animals and computers or or the things that we create, Mm -hmm. if you think of like, like a shared DNA tree, like a computer is like a cousin of the human being. Like if you don't be like, Oh yeah, computers, something else and and living life is here. If you like kind of, they're like, we're cousins. It's like, it's just bonkers. Like, yeah, how we came from this like single celled organism. Like where did that come from? How did that, like, how does stardust create a single celled organism that creates a multi-celled organism that creates a monkey that creates human beings that can create virtual reality worlds and plug in their consciousness and live forever. Like, like, I'm like, that's, that's like, that's bonkers. You know yeah, what man. I mean, I, I think about that shit and I'm like, how can you not believe in something greater than just us? And, and, or that the, you know, it's all accidental. I mean, what does that even, what does accidental even mean, dude? Like, what is an accident? It's something that, you know, the, or, chance or random events it's like well what that means is it just doesn't have an explanation but is it because we don't know the explanation or because there isn't one and i don't know there's no real answer to that question that's a really problematic situation for a lot of people um but to me it did that just thinking about those kind of things just makes me think about how extraordinary everything is and how how could it possibly be just random, random events in space, right? Like, I mean, I guess it's possible, you know, uh, obviously, because I don't know the answer. So I can't say it can't be this or it can't be that. But it's also just it's too crazy and complicated and perfect for it to seemingly be just an accident, right? Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, Like there, there's some people, and these are again these different archetypes. There's some people that are like, dude, Shane and Anton, you guys are wasting your time talking about things that you can't prove. And I'm like, well, every what are you talking cr- about? You know? Yeah. Well, I'm also, yeah, I'm also thinking. I'm like, well, if you look at like authors, right? Like, what is a story? Yeah. If someone went, what if? Like, you know, you get like Neil Gaiman or Stephen King or Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Like you, you just get the craziest books and you're like, that literally started from a similar idea of like us contemplating shit we don't understand. It's like, people are like, it's fun to just think about things. Like, you know, that's why I learned from Joe Rogan. Listen to him is like when he just starts randomly talking about crazy, stupid stuff. I'm like, yeah. I feel like just the process of thinking about things you normally don't think about that are inherently mysterious and creative I think that is the spark that has us create all of these Marvel movies and all these comic books and all these stories. It's like, it comes from the same thing. It comes from people that are thinking about things that don't matter. Yeah. Like, you know, like how can you like someone could say the same thing to Neil Gaiman or who's your favorite author of fiction? 
that's a hard question. I'm not a huge fiction fan, but let's just say uh, J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter a- for the Harry sake Potter. of argument. Yeah, yeah, someone could be like, oh, you know, J.K. Rowling, why are you thinking about nerds going to wizard school? Yeah. Like, you know, you could be like that. It's like, well, because it rocks, because it became like one of the best selling book series and movie series of all time because it inspired people to dream and like like and mostly and mostly because it was fun for her to do that right the creativity process in its essence is best when it's best for the person doing it right in fact i did a whole episode on this uh, on a podcast with a guy named dave stevens and we had this amazing discussion about how important creativity is and how the way that the world kind of works for most people is that we don't allow ourselves to express our creative you know influences or or expressions because we feel like we're wasting time or it's silly or it's childish or you know what's the point or it won't amount to anything because as if everything has to amount to something or give some sort of return and that we don't engage in these practices just for the sake of the practice because it's fun and enjoyable and you know how many people have a creative outlet of sort whether it's music art writing i mean it it could be anything it could be running walking parkour like all these (laughs) kinds of things whatever makes you feel good in a way that you go into it and you get into the zone where you don't know what's going to happen but you just allow life to flow through you in that moment in whatever form it takes whatever thoughts come up whatever brush strokes you want to do i don't know or whatever storylines you want to add and unbelievable things come out of it i mean to think about like if we take the harry potter example to think about the amount of detail and perfectly constructed archetypal stories that exist in that universe it's hard to imagine how that just came out of one person's head it's just it's remarkable um and whether it's harry potter or lord of the rings or any of them or the marvel universe i mean stan lee like what a genius right it's just unimaginable how that comes about until you kind of take a step back and say well he allowed himself to do that and to be creative and to enjoy the process and to live in his imagination and see what comes out of it without having to think of all the potential repercussions of it you know yeah and yeah, it's just, it's just like, free go, go on no just free flow expression you know yeah it's um well it's, it's it's interesting because like yeah jk rowling jr tolkien all these authors and stuff like they're you know i think we always kind of think of like oh you know they're creating something outside of reality or they're they're creating like a story and a story doesn't exist and it's not real but she's created people she's created life forms that yeah. have backstories and and somehow all of it makes sense. Like, I, I don't think of Dumbledore or Harry and go, oh, that, that is not a real human being. Like, there's never once where I just go, nope, that's fake. Like, that would never happen to that. Like, somehow, she, like, in, in a weird way, all authors are master psychologists because somehow they recreate life. They mm-hmm. recreate people with coherent backgrounds and coherent traumas and coherent and obviously some authors don't do this as well but the best of the best like they 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 create human beings like yeah. they ra- they raise 
babies. They raise children through these stories and they see them till the end in some weird way that never makes us aware of what they're even doing. Like we're so engrossed in the reality, the fiction they've created. Yeah. And it's just like, like sometimes I, I read Stephen King because I feel he's one of the best of this. And I read him and I'm like, this dude's like a psychologist. Like no one gives Stephen King credit as a psychologist. The, the you way go for he, it. Give him credit. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to I'm Stephen like, King. If you're listening to this podcast, you deserve more credit, buddy. Yeah, Stephen. Come <laughs> on my podcast and talk to me. I'm going to give you credit for being smart. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, man, like I read some of his books and I'm like, this dude's a genius. Like how he can get into the psyche and how he can understand traumas and pain and, and cause and effect. And it's like, I don't know if he ever studied psychology. I don't know if he did a master's and a PhD, but I dare I say he might be more. Even if he like, did, that's not what they teach you. Yeah. I'm like, how does he, <laughs> how does he do that? Like, it, it's yeah. just, it's just wild. And, and then you, you, you have this idea of like, did Stan Lee create Marvel or was Marvel channeled through Stan Lee? Like, that's the question for me is like, where do ideas come from? Yeah. Do, do we create these things? Cause like there's an author, Alan Moore, he's a, he's a famous comic author. He wrote V for Vendetta. He wrote Swamp mm-hmm. Thing. He wrote Watchmen. Like a lot of these Hollywood blockbusters, he was behind writing them. And uh, he said, he's like, I, I don't create these stories. These stories flow through me. Like they're entities from other dimensions. Like I am a channel and I just channel these ideas. And then you've heard Buddhists and you've heard, you know, the ancients talking about this all the time, that we're just channels. We're just intuitively speaking what comes to us. Like, even when we think about the thought process, me talking to you right now, what am I doing? I think I'm creating words, but they're kind of coming pretty quick. And like everything is just, it's like a cyclone. And it's, I, I don't really feel like I'm choosing my words. I feel like they're just coming through me. And so when you even think about the, the thought process, it's almost like what you said about, um, was it the universe or, or if there's a creator or if the creator's conscious, even thoughts, like we, we, when we're meditating, we, we go, Oh, thoughts are like clouds and they drift across and, but it's like, okay, but where do the, the clouds come from? Yeah. Like, you know, like, are they really just these things that come from our experiences? Are they all from our experiences? Are some of them from other people's experiences? Because then you even have the heart where if someone gets a heart transplant, apparently the heart has memory cells and can have the memories of other human beings stored within it. So then you think, okay, if I get a heart transplant and I get other people's memories, because people have been able to solve crimes that have led to the death of who gave up their heart. Hey, they've been, yeah, really? that's been, yeah, hundred percent. Um, Greg, Greg Braden talks about it. There was a, a, a little girl and she gave her heart. She died. She was murdered. And, um, and they gave her heart to another little girl, I think. And that little girl helped the cops draw the face of the man who killed the previous owner of the heart. Jeez. So that was my, that was mind blowing. She was able to literally draw the face and, and talk about how the other person died. So That's then it's mental. like, okay, that was a thought 
that she communicated to a police officer, a thought. Okay, so where do thoughts come from? Where are thoughts stored? Where are thoughts created? You know what I mean? Dude, that's a wild story. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's just stop and think about how freaking yeah. wild that is. That sounds more like fiction than Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Oh, it sounds as much fictional as that. Um, but you're, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying. I know, it, it sounds it, the same. Some, it sounds. <laughs> And, and there's so many stories of crazy shit like that. And But your point about where do thoughts come from and is it channeling is a good point. And I think it comes to part of it is your experience of it, right? Like in normal conversation, like as you were saying, like I'm not thinking about what I'm going to say next, like right now as I'm speaking. It's just coming. But I trust that it's saying, it's communicating what, is happening somewhere inside or wherever. And I don't know how that works, right? And I think that it probably becomes particularly highlighted or exacerbated when people do it intentionally. So where they'll sit in a, or stand, this position's irrelevant, in a way where they're like, I'm waiting for inspiration to come through me, right? And then that probably can be perceived a lot more as if, it's not coming from you, it's coming from somewhere else, or it's coming from deep within you. These are all kind of like metaphors because it's not exactly clear what we're talking about. Um, and that probably feels a lot more like channeling than something like a life, a real life conversation. Although it, to me, it seems like it's pretty much the same thing. It's sort of a spectrum occurrence, right? Um, and I don't know the answer. It's a very good question. And it's interesting when you see like the neuroscience side of things where they say like actually thoughts happen in your head before you become conscious of them, particularly with decision making, right? So something gets decided inside of you where that when, where and why that happens, it's complicated, but something makes that decision and then you, it, it gets brought to your awareness and then you feel like you're making the decision. But did you really make that decision? Uh, and there's no good answer to that. I mean, there's opinions about it. Um, I don't know where I stand. I've thought about it and it's, it's too it's too out there to have a firm view for me either way. Because I'm just like, I don't know. I've experienced it, but I don't know. You know, how, what, do I, what do you even say to that? <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying the things I'm saying right now, which sounds mental to say. <laughs> right but that is the truth of the experience right and yet at the same time it feels like I, I am saying it whatever that means it feels like it's me i'm speaking and these are my thoughts and my ideas and maybe i got them from other people and from interactions and from learning and from self-analysis and reflections and you know it's sort of developed that way and that's true and it still feels like me but i don't know where it's coming from or why i'm saying this right now here's a good example chocolate why did that happen <laughs> and now i'll be honest i didn't know what i was going to say when i brought that example up i'm i just thought i'm going to see what comes to mind and it was just chocolate and I, that was probably because of the decision making thing and i was thinking about chocolate and vanilla kind of things but it's still you know it's a good question i don't know dude this is a really hard it's a really hard uh, question but very interesting you know yeah, we're, we're having the best podcast about nothing I've ever had. Fuck yeah, man. And this, <laughs> this, this is what it's about, you know? 
no real points have been made. What are we? What are we, what? What points have we made? You know, just that humans are fucking weird, and it's cool and fun to think about it sometimes. Well, also, I, I also think it's like important not to discount um, the importance of these kinds of conversations because if you think about depression, if you think about you know just the boredom, the apathy of life, um, yeah. I sometimes feel like if you don't ever get out of the box, if you don't ever be goofy, be wacky, dance for no reason, just start being a kid. It's like, I almost feel like your imagination, your creativity gets like solidified into like a rock. And and you sometimes see people like, you know, we've all talked to people in their like fifties, their forties, sometimes some people in their twenties already Mm. where you have conversation unless like they're unable to get outside of a certain rhythm of communication of a certain way of thinking it's like they they just they can't go a bit to the left or the right they're just on one track and they're and then usually this happens this solidifies over the course of life it's like as Mm -hmm. children you you're thinking about crazy shit and you're running around and you have made up friends and you have all this stuff and you believe in santa claus and then it's like over the course of your life the the things you allow yourself to think about and comprehend gets minimalized yeah until you're like a 60 year old man who's bored of life and just kind of that fire that that creativity inside of him is just dead mm-hmm. and you, you just you talk to some people like that and there's just no beating heart there's just no enthusiasm in some sense i feel like these conversations these like whoa dude what if this is insane even if it doesn't go anywhere yeah it's like i feel like it 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 keeps that creativity elastic it keeps it buoyant it keeps it you know that you know it if you stop having wild conversations it's like you know maybe your ability to, to think outside of the box shrinks maybe the more you have crazy like conversations like this maybe i'll end up writing a fiction book in 10 years and maybe yeah. I wouldn't if I just went, no, I'm not going to think about anything that is not something I can directly control. It's like, I think it's difficult to know the importance of outside of the box thinking and just dreaming. Like, yeah. You know, we're, we live in a society that's kind of like anti-dreaming, you know, don't dream about things you can't control. Don't dream about things for the sake of dreaming about them. Like we have a lot of rules and constrictions on what it is to be a human being in our society. Yeah. Well, it's weird because we, I I think that we have, we live in a very strange society where on the one hand, there's very much a sense of like, follow your dreams, right? But oftentimes that gets cut or diverted into realism, right? And like, but what's realistic for you, right? Is it going to get you a job? Is it going to make you money? And these are all valid concerns. I'm not saying that they're, you know, should be dismissed and, you know, you should do things intelligently and um, work towards your dreams in a smart way. It's not just about, you know, oh, fuck everything, whatever. But we also, I think that with the advent of the internet, creativity has blossomed for so many people in so many different ways, right? And you see these, you see this with, all the little communities that exist online in basically every aspect of human existence that you can imagine there's a community online who are out there talking about it and sharing ideas and you know doing all what we've talked about just letting themselves have fun and indulge 
and be a part of something else and creative, you know, whether it's, you know, fandom or cosplay or um, this podcast or that podcast or, you know, fictional stories or like murder mystery or whatever. I mean, as far as, as far as you can think, there's stuff online about it or like dog, you know, dressing your dogs up or dude, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like wild examples, but that's as much as I can get. But whatever you think of, there's a cushion community. I bet you of like, who has the best cushions, who quilts the best, you know, like sewing techniques, like anything you can imagine. There's people out there who are forming these little communities and just having fun and expressing these ideas. And some people, I suppose, benefit more than others in those communities. And okay, it's, not really pertinent to this conversation, but um, so I think it's interesting that we simultaneously, and also what I think it's interesting, these virtual worlds that are being created are very interesting opportunities for that, right? Because you get to escape reality in a much more real sense than we are right now with social media. Um, and I think it's a good thing and I think it'll be a bad thing in for obvious reasons, but really in those worlds, you know, you could have what you perceive to be the most boring job and life that you can imagine and w whatever that looks like for you, so be it. Uh, and yet, you know, when you come home after work, you put on your VR stuff and you're basically in another universe where you get to be a different person with a different life. Now it's not the same to be fair, and it's probably not a good substitute for reality but it is an interesting expression of creativity. And you see that already with online gaming, right? People spend hours and hours of their days just gaming online with communities to support them and each other. And it's fun and it's great. And okay, sometimes there are consequences and you know addictions happen and things like that, but that's true in general. But the point being that like, it's just amazing what's available these days you know, and navigating that's really the challenge of finding the balance for yourself as an individual. Yeah, it's almost like we're finally at the at the place where the ability to manifest has caught up with our imaginations. Yeah. Like if you think about Neanderthals or something, their ability to manifest the th ideas in their minds, like they weren't able to manifest at the speed of which they had ideas. And we're entering a world where we can, we're getting faster and faster and faster at the ability to create, mm -hmm. um, especially with the, like you said, virtual worlds. We're suddenly thrust in the, in the idea where any idea I have, I can create in a virtual, in a virtual world. Do I want to create a house? Do I want to create a book? Do I want to have this experience, that experience, go to a concert? It's like, like, it's just kind of wild. And, um, that is the, the last thing I know you have to get going and do your essay in uh, about five minutes. So uh, yeah, man, uh, any last uh, thoughts on the crazy wackiness of uh, creativity and imagination before we uh, finish up? No, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been fun. We've covered a lot of things, um, nothing of substance, one might say. <laughs> and yet at the same time, it was just the best. And this is what podcasting is very much about for me. Uh, and you know, it was great and I'm sure we'll do a lot more. So thank you very much. Oh, people should check out your podcast, right? Arc vision, uh, podcast and arc vision creations on YouTube for your reaction videos. 
that's worth a good watch. Um, and yeah, man, thank you. What else would you like to promote? Sorry, I suppose I should turn that to you. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Shane is a brilliant researcher uh, to the point where he doesn't even know my YouTube channel name. His uh, Archvision reactions, not creations. Oh, not creations. <laughs> I was like, I was just gonna let you go with it, but I'm like, nah. I'm gonna oh, throw man. him on the spot. My apologies. But, uh, oh, dude, I don't care, man. It's like. Everyone has brain farts, man. Dude, the other but, day uh, I, I introduced a guest by the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and it's like, man, some people get so pissed off. They're yeah. like, how dare you not know my name? I'm like, we're human, man. Like, yeah. that's why I find it this interesting. Like I said about podcasting, like taking people too seriously and like, like, yeah. yeah. So it's just funny. It's fucking being a dumb human being. Like yeah. I said, we literally being human being is absolutely insane don't take it too seriously yeah like, to seriously, be fair if you get yeah no i was just gonna say to be fair i didn't introduce someone as like the wrong person it was just a bad pronunciation of their name um i wasn't like oh you know today's billy and they were like no, i'm not billy my name's jake it's like no 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 it, it was just a it was just a mispronunciation but she took it wonderfully and it made a good start to the episode because it's fun as yeah. you're saying right it just it's all about just enjoying and not being too serious and not being offended and you know just man it just relate to people you know just enjoy it's, your life i know like literally man if, if you in the next podcast acts like because the thing is like as long as i know you have good intentions like as long as like if me and shane are, are talking for a month yeah and he's like hey hey anton i'm excited for the podcast so for some reason when we go on the next podcast you're like and i have with me like richard zakwer I probably just I'd probably just laugh my ass off. I feel like, dude, yeah. what the hell is going on with you right now? Because it's like, I, yeah, man. I, I think people take life way too seriously. I think yeah, people man. are just, and I think a lot of it, yeah, it comes from like childhood and like you know maybe in high school they weren't popular and people made fun of them and they weren't taken seriously and now they're a PhD person and they're like, like it's so funny when I take talk me seriously. To yeah, I was like, I talked to Craig Wright, and I was yeah. like, so how do you how do you want me to uh, to introduce you, like Doctor Craig Wright, Doctor Wright? And he's like, he's like, just call me Doctor Craig. I was like, okay, yeah. so like half informal, half formal, yeah. just like Doctor Craig, like, and I was just like, it's it was great. tongue in cheek, it yeah. was hilarious, and I was like, that's it, man, like you're having fun with it. You're like, yeah, I'm a doctor. I've worked pretty hard at this, but you're not so like rigid that you're like, oh, you need to call yeah. me Doctor Wright, like. I just love that. So, and also, dude. if you called him just Craig, he'd probably be like, yeah, that's cool too. You know, he's such a chill dude. By the way, he called me Sean for most of the podcast. Um, <laughs> dude, but exactly. Like, I, but, mo but many people do, so I tend to just let it go. And I know he wasn't doing it on purpose. It's just for some reason that's people's automatic go-to name is they just go Sean. And I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> it's not serious. Dude, yeah. I, I, I think that um, people, and this is one thing I find about our culture nowadays, is I think people, we're getting intentionality and outcome really mixed up, yeah. where if someone says the wrong thing, they're canceled, but we never even inquire into what did they try to say? What was their intention? Did they try to hurt that person? Yeah. Like, we live in this, like, yeah, this kind of cancel culture in some sense, where we we don't really care about getting to know people that we've kind of thrown under the bus we're just like oh you've done the wrong thing yeah and it's like as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast we're all doing the wrong thing because there's no right way to do anything we're all yeah. different we're all different archetypes we're all different we all look at the same kernel of truth 
from different perspectives. Yeah. And so we, we just have this absolute truth way of looking at the world right now that I think is getting us into a lot of trouble because it's not what we intend. It's not what we want to do to other human beings is what do we, what do we end up doing? And it's like, I don't think that's fair for anybody. Again, if you mess up my name, but you are value my humanity, why would I get mad? Your yeah. intention was to connect with me and you still are, even if you mess up my name, you're still connecting with me. You're, yeah. you're still like, you know what I mean? I just, it I adds think a nice layer to it, you know? Cause now it'll yeah. be like, yeah, all right, cool. Cause now I bet you from here on out, I'm going to call it arc vision creations just because <laughs> it's going to be fun even though I know the right answer and I know you won't be mad about it because you know where it comes from. Right. And also I think the final message should be, be nice to each other. Don't be a dick, have fun, be creative. Thanks for watching. Any last words? All right. I love you guys. Peace. <laughs>